0: everyone. You're listening to America's Homegrown Veggie Show. My name is Kate Copsey and I am the host of the show. You can contact me from my webpage, katecopsey.com or through America's web radio station site. This morning, we are going to be talking to Peggy Myers, who is the CEO of the Organic Material Review Institute. Good morning, Peggy, and thank you for joining us this morning.
1: Good morning, Kate. It's a pleasure to be here with you. Okay. Well, you are the
0: CEO of probably what would be called an organization that gives um, the definitive word on what's organic and what is not. So, what's your background in organic farming?
1: Actually, no. I do not have a farming background. My background is more in uh, business. And actually, I've worked in nonprofit management for about 15 years. And I've worked in the organic sector for about 17 years. So those two combined, and my personal interest with organic, um, brought me to OMRI. So while I work with a lot of farmers and have worked with them, I haven't actually done that myself.
0: Okay. So so officially, um, I guess it's called OMRI, right?
1: <laughs> yes. Yeah, we just uh, – for, for – ease of saying it we just uh instead of saying o-m-r-i call it omri
0: (laughs) okay
1: um and i in the introduction
0: I, i mentioned um that the organic material review is about um defining what can be called organic and what isn't so is that kind of the the focus of the organization just to tell people what they can and cannot use and create lists
1: well, our, our focus, really, as a nonprofit organization, is to serve to provide information to the organic industry. So, while the uh, I'd say the the deliverable of what we do is uh, our lists, our printed lists and our online lists. Really, those are provided as a service to the organic community because a lot of farmers and handlers and absolutely certifiers definitely use our services. And, and oh, and I should, I should also point out, too, that um, what OMRI does is we don't actually deal with certified organic food products. That's what the organic certifiers do. What we do is evaluate what we call input products, things like fertilizers, pest control products, sanitizers, and so forth, to determine whether those are compliant to the organic standards, um, and it's important because, for example... If a certified organic farmer used a non-compliant uh, input material on his farm, it's possible that he could lose his certification and have to start a three-year transition process again. So it's very important that the certified organic producers uh, use compliant materials.
0: And of course, I, I guess um, back in the um, the eighties, when I was uh, selling organic herbs everything came on a local certifier level Um, and then the government got involved and national standards were adopted and things like that and i remember there was quite a lot of confusion at first and shall shall we say some loopholes that people were trying to get get through so how long did it take for everyone to shall we say get on the the same page with um, what 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 is and what can what can and cannot be used
1: hmm Yeah, you're, you're right. It, it's actually been a, a long process, and some of the first certifiers uh, established themselves back in the early 70s, I believe. And so you're right. They created their own standards, which were more, more on a, a local or regional basis, and they uh, created their standards. They created their procedures. They enforced those standards. And so it was back in um, around 90, 1997 that the first draft of the organic standards uh, at the national level were um, were put out for public comment, and at that point there was this huge uproar because <laughs> the people who wrote that included what we call uh, the big three, which is uh, w- are were GMOs, irradiation, and sewage sludge, and people just were outraged. They said, "How could that be allowed in organic?" And so, what happened as a result of that? Is that the USDA re- received something like 275 thousand comments on that those on the big three, and today that remains the the single largest number of comments received by the USDA on any issue. Oh, and wow. as a result, those three were dropped from the standards, and those are uh, no longer or they are not allowed in organic production. So, um, and and what happened uh, as far as how long it took? Um, Organizations started working on this uh, around 1990. That's when the Organic Foods Production Act, um, a federal law, was uh, put into effect. We call it uh, OFPA, the Organic Foods Production Act of 1990. And then, as I said, in 1997, so it took seven years for the first draft to even come out of the standards. And then after that, um, I believe the final draft or near final draft came out in the year 2000 and then it was actually implemented officially in 2002 on October 21st so it took over 12 years for this process from beginning to end to actually have organic standards in place and even today um, the standards are always changing uh, based on new information received based on new products being developed and so forth. So it's constantly changing and evolving, and OMRI has to keep up with that in order to be on top of, of the most current standards.
0: And, and the um I, I guess the the main organic uh, standards they they also involve kind of what you can feed um, animals and things like that and the stock for certified beef and, and lamb and whatever um, do you get involved in in that side of it or is it purely the growing vegetables and fruit that you're involved with
1: well a really good question because we're most' we're in crop products and I'd say that they make up at least eighty percent of the products we do. Um, we have some livestock feeds and some healthcare aids for livestock, so we do get involved in those uh, parts of the industry as well.
0: And and so when people, um, I guess, go to your your site, um, they can look at lists and things like that. But it, do they? Um, is there a charge for? Um, Sort of look, looking at the site, site, or is it just a public information type site?
1: Mm-hmm. We, uh, as a nonprofit, we do uh, work for the public benefit. So uh, most of the information on our website is free. Um, the only thing that we don't uh, give out for free is our generic materials list. However, that is searchable for free online, so uh, people can find a lot of information. Um, in terms of products and in terms of generic materials, um, and I do encourage people to go to our website and, and see what information is there. Um, for example, if you're in your local home and garden product uh, home and garden store, and you pick up a product, and you might not see the the uh, uh, but for example, you could look at the ingredients of that product to see are all the ingredients are uh, listed, and at least you have a, a little bit of. A sense of what's in there, even if the final product might not be Omri listed.
0: And so, do do you list things by um, the the actual what's in the the product rather than uh, by a product name?
1: Well, actually, um, our lists are sorted in all kinds of ways. So, for example, I have a printed list here in front of me, and, and I'm talking about name brand products. It's sorted by um, category, in you know. Um, For crop products we have different categories like fertilizers and pest control products. For livestock we have certain categories and for processing and handling products we have categories. So you can look them up that way if you're looking for a fertilizer or if you're looking for a sanitizer for a processing facility. Or you can look it up by company. If you're familiar with a company and you want to see if they have any Omri-listed products, you can look it up that way. And then lastly, we have it sorted by the product name. So if all you have is the product name, you can also look it up that way. So we try to offer the information in ways that are useful to the to the end user of the product.
0: And, and so... Um, this is pr- primarily something I, I would imagine that small farmers and market growers would use. But how about if they want to send things to Canada and uh, may- maybe to Europe? Um, Does do the OMRI list, is that compatible with imports to other organic um, organisations as well as the main USA ones?
1: Well, it's, it's interesting you ask that because uh, OMRI has been operating to the uh, USDA Organic Standards since, since our beginning in 1997, and the Canadian Standards, for example, are similar but just a little bit different, and so it does require a little bit extra um, review. And just this year, about uh, five months ago, OMRI did launch uh, a review program for the Canadian organic industry. And so we do have a separate Canada products list. Right now it's very tiny. I think there are only six products on it, but we're getting more and more applications uh, every day for the Canada list. And in terms of, uh, for example, the European Union, it's, it's a little different there as well. So there's not um, consistency throughout the world. However, what we're finding is that um, what they call equivalency arrangements are being signed by different countries, and so the United States and Canada and the EU all have what they call equivalency agreements. So if something is certified organic, for example, in the United States, it can be sold as organic in the European Union without any further uh, certification required. What we're unsure of at this point, and what OMRI um, is going to probably take on as a project in the near future, is looking at those equivalency agreements and what do they mean for input products. Uh, It's more clear for the end food products, but the input products are a little more questionable. So we're going to do some more research on that. But the the simple answer to your question is uh, it's not necessarily allowed in one country because it's allowed in the United States. Okay, a so, little
0: bit different. so so I guess um, you know you have to check check wherever you're, you're sending things really to make sure that right em- yes yeah and and yeah. Some, for something like um, let's say peat moss um, which can be organically uh, made just um, the just mm-hmm. em- the environmental impact um, affect whether something is um, able to be listed or not you know, whether the, the peat moss is organically and sustainably um, created or wh- whether it's kind of harvested in, in an unprofessional way. Uh, does that type of thing mm-hmm. affect it?
1: Yes it, it, it does um, and it does that um, this is a good opportunity for me to talk about the National Organic Standards Board uh, because the, the National Organic Standards in the United States are regulated and enforced by the National Organic Program Um, And that's staffed by a professional staff of about 31 people. The National Organic Standards Board, or NOSB, is a federal advisory committee to the NOP. And so uh, there is a national list of allowed and prohibited materials. And the only way that a product is added to or removed from that list is upon recommendation of the NOSB. And so one of the things uh, that I know the NOSB looks at as they're evaluating materials and whether to uh, allow a generic material, they do look at the environmental impact. And it's interesting because they look at it not only, um, you know, as, as you said, they not only look at it from the production side, does this affect the environment uh, during production, they also look at the use of it. How does this affect the environment when it's used? So that's definitely one of the criteria that they they look at when evaluating uh, material.
0: But, you know, we need to go for our first commercial break here, but we will be back, everyone, talking with Peggy Myers about the Organic Materials Review Institute on America's homegrown veggies. We'll be back in just a moment.
1: Come on. Follow Snipples to Atlanta's go-to center for breathing easy. Do you suffer from chronic sinus headaches, recurrent sinusitis, facial pain or pressure, and chronic congestion? Well, balloon sinuplasty just could be the cure you're looking for.
2: Follow me and breathe easy.
1: FollowSniffles.com. We treat the problem, not the symptom. Chronic sinus symptoms, gone. This could be the cure you're looking for.
2: Follow me and breathe easy. This
1: proven in-office procedure can have you breathing easy. Back to work the next day. And it's done. Under local anesthesia Get lasting relief
3: A quick recovery And start breathing easy again
2: Follow me and breathe easy
4: Follow Sniffles.com Quick stakes. That's
2: Hi, I'm Paisley McDonald, and I'd like to invite you to listen to my show, At Home with Paisley, every week, Thursday at 3 p.m. Eastern, for practical advice and stylish living for your home and office.
5: Did you miss a show that you really wanted to hear? All of our programs are available for download on americaswebradio.com and on iTunes. You can listen to your favorite programs on americaswebradio.com anytime you like. Quick Stakes. That's Q
4: U I K Stakes are not just for surveyors. They are great for family and community gardens. Go online to www.quickstake.com or contact your local land surveying supply dealer and get you a box of quick stakes. You'll love them every year when you plant your garden. Again, that's quick stakes, Q U I K stakes, the truly preferred way to stake
5: and identify what's in your garden now. You're listening to americaswebradio.com the pioneer and leader in chat radio. Thank you for listening.
0: Welcome back to America's Homegrown Veggie Show. Remember, you can catch up with us on Facebook at America's Homegrown Veggies. And if you miss any shows, you can find them on americaswebradio.com webpage. You can also find them on iTunes and Stitcher. Just look for America's homegrown veggies. This morning, we are talking with Peggy Myers from the OMRI Institute, and we talked a little about the organization as a whole and standards and things like that, Peggy. But let's go down to how that actually affects the grower and the, or the local grower, the market gardener and the consumer. Um, when I go into particularly um, nurseries and/or the nursery area of a box store, there's an increasing number of items that are listed as um, organic this or organic that, but they don't have the, the OMRI stamp. Is there a difference between just having um, saying it's an organic fertilizer and actually being organic?
1: Yes, unfortunately. So that's one of the confusion, uh, confusing things, I think, is the word organic or natural. Um, For example, on a fertilizer, um, a company can put the word organic on it, and their argument may be, well, it contains carbon materials, and so therefore it's organic, and that would be allowed. So just saying organic doesn't really mean that it's been verified by a third party. Now, if you see the OMRI listed seal, of course, then you know that it's gone through the OMRI um, review process. There's also another organization um, that does similar work, Uh, Washington State Department of Agriculture also has a seal um, that might be seen. Um, Not so much on consumer products, I wouldn't think, but more so on um, certified organic, um, or excuse me, products that would be used by certified organic producers.
0: And are there some things, I know mushroom compost for instance, um, usually that has, I guess, in professional or, or large establishments, that can have um, contaminants in it. But then uh, if you get a smaller one, um, it could... It, may not have those. Is there a way of, is that where you go to a product, um, your list, and actually look for named brands of things? Or or can you, or does organic, uh, mush, or does mushroom uh, compost just not make it because the bulk of it is not organic?
1: Um, No, mushroom could be used um, to make compost. It does not have to be organic to begin with. Uh, but you ask a very timely question in terms of, um, for example, a lot of bioplastics are being put into compost today. And that's one of the things that, are, that we're talking about um, right now because the organic standards are a little gray in that area in that they require um, uh, an inspection of the to uh, visibly inspect for contaminants. But there isn't really a metric in the standards, for example, it has to, you know, contain less than, than you know, 1% contaminants or something like that. So it's a little gray area at this point. Hopefully that will be uh, tightened up, but um, it really just depends on the manufacturer and their policies and procedures, and uh, the standards, unfortunately, as I said, are a little gray uh, in that regard. However, again, um, you should probably look for some sort of product that's been verified by a third party like OMRI to at least ensure that they're following the, the appropriate standards.
0: So so if we find, for instance... Um a product on your listing, um, a commercial product that has an OMRI um, list or, or stamp on it, we can assume that everything on your has, is in compliance with you, but does it have to still um, list the individual ingredients? So, for instance, if, if you wanted... Um, what's now termed a vegetarian garden, i.e. you don't Mm -hmm. want bone meal and uh, feather meal and things like that in it. Those are perfect, Mm -hmm. those are kind of on your listings, but could those also be in products or would they have to be listed in products?
1: Those types of ingredients would have to be listed. Um, What you might not find on the ingredient are um, ingredients within ingredients, for example, Uh, particularly in uh, pest control products there are some manure ingredients so they're not an active ingredient but they're still in there and people may want to know about them but in terms of um you know bone meal and feather meal and that sort of thing the, the major ingredients they would be listed on the package yes
0: and and so all the packages i, I guess there's somebody else that that um, re- requires I, I guess different things on, on packaging um rather than than yourselves right or do you advise on packaging
1: um, no, we don't. We look at the packaging as part of the, uh, part of our review process, but we do not uh, regulate or enforce packaging. Um, for fertilizers, for example, each state has a registration process through their Department of Agriculture that would handle that.
0: And, and so they're, they're the ones that figure out whether it's a 555 or a 101 or whatever, right?
1: <laughs> right. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And, and we do, um, you know, in that case... We do look at, uh, ask for their um, um, their test to, to show and verify that if they're calling it, you know, a 444 or a 374 or whatever, that they've got a test to back that up.
0: Oh, okay. Um, and so from, um, I guess, a manufacturer's point of view, if you're um, making, for instance, your own um, – you're, you're bringing something that you want to have on the market and they want to get it OMRI approved, um, what's, uh, is it as, as horrendous a, a hurdle as getting certified organic in the first place? Or is your, your, your um, requirement fairly straightforward and streamlined?
1: Well, it, it's similar to certification because I, I actually used to, to work for California Certified Organic Farmers and um, and understood the certification process there. And coming to OMRI, I, I discovered that the, the review of inputs is very similar. Um, there is a lot of documentation. There is a lot of paperwork involved in both certification and in the input review process. So uh, I, I'd call them pretty pretty similar. Um, and, and what we do is very similar, too, in that first we – We uh, receive the application and the paperwork, and then there's usually a back and forth because there's usually something missing (laughs) or some information that we need and and need to ask them for. Um, And then so once that's done and the initial review of the paperwork is done, then it's forwarded on to a um, technical reviewer who actually uh, looks at the the scientific information and the um, total ingredient list and I said the ingredients within the ingredients and the manufacturing process to determine whether uh, they want to recommend that it be allowed or not allowed. And it's not the decision is not made by one individual. It's made by uh, a panel. And so the majority or actually all the members of the panel need to agree to lit a product before it will be listed. Um, and then um, we do require in- Inspections as well. We don't inspect 100% of the products on our list, but we do random inspections. Um, and then per the National Organic Program policy, we must inspect all high-nitrogen fertilizers because of the, uh, the risk of fraud involved there. So it is quite an intense process. We, we've done a lot of streamlining over the last few years to, to help, try and make it a little bit better for the, the manufacturers.
0: And, and so, if, if some, somebody wanted to approach you, um, about how long does um, the process last? Um, what, mm-hmm. Could they get it done? For instance, they've been developing it this year. We're now now at the end of the year. Would they be able to mark it with your um, uh, s- stamp on it, say in March, if they started now?
1: Um, I'd say there's, there, uh, there is a very good chance, yes. The um, reason I, I don't want to say yes or no is it depends on the product, it depends on the complexity, and, and it depends a lot on the response of the manufacturer um, because a lot of the review times actually that back and forth where we're waiting for more information from the manufacturer. Um, but we um, we streamlined our procedures. We got really good at uh, our service and what we were doing. And a few months ago, our, our average review time was about two months. From beginning to end. And we've we've uh, hired a lot of new staff and promoted some people. Um, we've gotten some new projects going in. So we're not able to maintain that high level of service that, that we want to. And right now, the re- average review time is more like four months. So so yes, if someone started now, they could have the process most likely done by uh, early spring. And, and do, you, do you find typically that
0: people are developing... New products and looking at, at the um, the list, may, maybe um, to make sure that they are um, new products, or, or are these predominantly people have been on the market with a particular um, product and people know their their product name and they just want well. I, I think we've got everything sorted. Why don't we go get get it listed with OMRI for that um, special designation? Um, so are these mm-hmm. kind of existing things that they're getting it, um your stamp or are they th- fresh new ones on the market?
1: Um, it's, you know, it's a mix of both um, because we do have a lot of um, long-time OMRI listed suppliers who continue to, to innovate and come up with new products that they want OMRI listed. and. and yet there are still others who are longtime companies who haven't yet gotten into organic, and they've gotten products, and they want to then, um, for example, change their formula slightly so that it will be compliant to the organic standards, and they want to submit those. So it's a, it's a mixture of both. Uh, it's actually good, good to see because an interesting thing is that, of course, we've got a lot of dedicated organic farmers who use organic practices is inputs allowed and in organic, what we're seeing uh, the trend is that uh, non-organic farmers want to use less toxic chemicals. They want to use more natural. They're starting to look to the organic uh, farming practices and inputs, even though they have no intention of becoming certified organic.
0: And I think that's a very healthy way. Um, uh, maybe the, the tide has changed a little bit, which um, you know I, I, I think is a, a, a Good good thing, Um, you know, particularly for for smaller uh, production people. But, you know, we need to take another quick commercial break here. But I want to remind you that you're listening to America's Homegrown Veggies. And we'll be back with more from Peggy Myers and the Omni Review. We will be back in just a moment.
2: Hi, I'm Paisley McDonald, and I'd like to invite you to listen to my show, At Home with Paisley, every week, Thursday at 3 p.m. Eastern, for practical advice and stylish living for your home and office.
4: Quick Stakes, that's Q-U-I-K stakes are not just for surveyors. They are great for family and community gardens. Go online to www.quickstake.com or contact your local land surveying supply dealer and get you a box of quick stakes. You'll love them every year when you plant your garden. Again, that's quick stakes, Q U I K stakes, the truly preferred way to stake and identify what's
3: in your garden now. This is Michael Gano with Insight to Israel. Every day the Israeli Defense Force finds itself on the front line of the war with the militant arm of Islam. Surrounded by enemies from within and without, they fight for the only Jewish state. Military service is mandatory, ladies serving two years and men serving three right out of high school. While young people in other democracies are busy traveling or attending university, Israeli men and women gear up for basic training. Thank you, God bless patriot conservatives, and God bless Israel in her struggle for sovereignty and security.
5: You're listening to AmericasWebRadio.com, the pioneer and leader in chat radio. Thank you for listening.
0: listening to America's homegrown veggie show I am the host of the show Kate Copsey. and this morning we are talking with Peggy Myers from the Omri Institute um, and Peggy we talked a little about um, the product designation out there and it's it's on all products that, that you um, approve of So whereabouts do we do we find these products are they in box stores and and smaller stores as well?
1: Yes, you should be able to find Omri listed products uh, in most home and garden stores. Whether it's a uh, a big store like Lowe's or Home Depot, and also independent garden stores that uh, you know your local. Retailers should be, should have them as well. In fact, Omri exhibited at the Independent Garden Center Trade Show in Chicago a few months ago, and I was pleasantly surprised that the people that I talked to, the the actual garden center retailers, were very familiar with Omri, and they were able to tell me that, oh yes, we do carry Omri listed products in our store, and more and more consumers are asking for products um, that are for use in organic. So uh, your listeners should be able to find OMRI-listed products um, wherever they shop for home and garden products. And if they don't, they could certainly talk to the retailer and, and inquire about it.
0: And, and so they, they'd be able to, um, I, I guess, go, go to the, their local store and say, hey, you should be getting so, some of these products, right?
1: <laughs> um, yeah, yeah. in fact, consumers could, could, could go to their retailer and say, yeah, I, I want you to get products in here that have the omri listed seal and maybe they can help educate the retailers about
0: what that means actually i I mean i I think i was at the chicago show and i i i I knew the word omri but you know what i'm sure along with a lot of other people i didn't i knew it was organic but i didn't actually know what the letters stand for i do now right (laughs) that's right yeah um and but as um, I, I'm familiar with it being for um, the fertilizer side of things, uh, but do you also do um, things for bugs and funguses and all those other things that affect, uh, like, like maybe soap, horticultural soaps and things like that? Can they be OMRI certified too?
1: Uh, yes. Most of uh, you know most of what's on our list for crop production are fertilizers um, and soil amendments and so forth. But we do also list products for um, uh, er- uh, herbicides for weed control and pesticides for um, for the bad pests. Of course, we want to maintain the, the the good bugs out there. Um, and then we also have some. Um, uh, chlorine materials. So for example, um, if wash water is being used for any reason, uh, we would review those products too. Anything added to wash water would need to be reviewed. So definitely much more than than fertilizers, but that's a big part of what we do.
0: And you know, and I say, um, I I think uh, I'm familiar with it being um, with with fer- fertilizers, uh, but so it would be things may, maybe like um, the the horticultural soaps and things. And um, do you, do you get into things like I know there's a lot of um, companies out, out there that say that they're doing natural pest control as in uh, deer, keeping deer away keeping groundhogs away and that type of thing mm-hmm. do you get into that side of it as well
1: yes we do have some uh, repellents so things to keep deer away in fact there's one product that's got this really scary looking deer picture on the front <laughs> of it um, that's homery listed so yes we do get into those products as well uh, mole repellents and those sort of things.
0: And, and that type of thing is listed by the, um, the product, more likely to be done by the product commercial name, right?
1: Uh, yes, yeah. If you look in our, in our um, list, if you have a, a printed list, that would be under um, pest weed and disease control. So any kind of pest, whether it's an insect or an animal, would fall under that category.
0: Okay, Um, because I know that a lot of people do have problems with deer around the the country. Um, Mm -hmm. But um, the difference between, for instance, um, how we use them, are they used in a different way to conventional products? Is is there a danger that we could also overuse, um, albeit that it's an an listed one? Is the idea that, um, well, a little is good, so we'll put a lot on and it'll be better?
1: Uh, you know, that's a really good question, and I would encourage everyone to always follow the label instructions. They're there for a good reason. They're there for safety reasons. And so, you know, too much of one of a good thing can sometimes be bad. And so you definitely need to pay attention to the label. Um, for example, you know, pest control products, their intention is to, to kill pests, and so there, there has to be some sort of toxicity to it. And so follow the label instructions. Um, this is a good ex- uh, time for me to mention that certified organic farmers, for example, cannot just randomly use uh, OMRI-listed products or, or other products on their farm. Uh, they need to follow the instructions. Some products that are allowed under the organic standards have what are called restrictions on them. So you can only use this product in this particular instance or on this particular crop. Um Pest control products, for example, can only be used after the farmer has tried other options like mechanical options or cultural methods like weeding. Um, you should always try and weed before applying any kind of, um, of herbicide, for example. So even these organic farmers have to follow certain restrictions uh, in the use of certain products.
0: And and I I would imagine that um, the the runoff um, problem and getting into waterways, um, would that depend on which area you're using something for? So something could be only acceptable in one area, but maybe it contaminates a different area. Have you ever found conflicts like that?
1: Well, you know, actually there are some materials that are allowed in uh, livestock production and they're also allowed in crop production. And so, yes, it is possible that for one use it's allowed and for another use it's prohibited. So, again, that's another reason to look at the use instructions and make sure that you're using it for the, for the, uh, in the proper way for the, the proper um, problem that you're trying to control
0: and so so some some things could be on two different lists um, you know depending on what what they what they are um, Yes. yeah um, so if people um if they've got um one of these these pro- products um do they have the same um, with them being less toxic do they, do they have the same efficiency as some of the more toxic things?
1: Well, you know, that's, that's a good question. Um, OMRI doesn't really get into to the efficacy of products, and so I don't have exact data on that, and i probably depend on who you talk to. Um, but, for example, you know, pest actually, you know, I went to a, um, a biopesticide conference not too long ago, and I did hear a researcher from, I think, the uh, University of Wisconsin talking about a particular uh, test that she did, and it did show that in some cases you know, the organic products can um, produce uh, have a better uh, result than, than the non-organic ones. But I think it just depends a lot on how it's applied and what part of the country you're in and, and the soil and that sort of thing. So in some cases it might be more efficient, in other cases it might not be.
0: And I would imagine it would also depend on what sort of um, situation you're, you're in, particularly the weather, which can be that mm. that that can just throw so many things to a different. <laughs> That's way.
1: right. Yeah. I agree with that. Right. <laughs> yeah.
0: um- partic- particularly humidity, for instance, and funguses just go hand in hand. I don't think there's anything short of a tent that could stop
1: that. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. We see that uh, here in the Pacific Northwest. Yes
0: oh oh yes that that's right you'll get very humid out there yes <laughs> we have a lot of moss that grows around here yeah um and so so all the, these um the, the the products on on your list and um, is it the sort of thing that if somebody may, maybe went to your list um and found, found specific uh products on, on there that they would be able to formulate their their own general i mean do you have for instance let, let's take bone meal for instance um mm-hmm. does that, does do you give the um the amount of nitrogen or, or um, whatever that you would, phosphorus that you would be able to attain from that if somebody wanted to make their own um, balanced co- um, fertilizer?
1: Mm. Um, we do not provide that information primarily because that would get into what would be considered consulting. And because we're an independent third party accred- uh, that's got accreditation, one of the things that we are not allowed to do is consult. And, and help uh, people bring products to market. So that's not something that, that we would do. However, one thing that people could do if they were interested in that is go to our website and search for our uh, through our generic materials list. So these are not the na- name brand products, but these are things like you said, bone meal and feather meal and so forth. And you could see whether those are allowed and potentially take some uh, allowed materials to create uh, a a branding product,
0: but but certainly fact, a home a home gardener would be be able to look at your list and and, and if, if there's things like bone meal and feather meal on there, when mm-hmm. they, if they saw those, even though they weren't uh, on listed they, they would feel fairly safe to to use those if they chose to on in their own home garden.
1: Sure, yeah, they could do that. And our generic materials list actually um, not only lists what's allowed in organic, but it lists prohibited materials as well so that's a good use for for listeners if they're if they're looking at something and um they can actually see whether it's prohibited in organic production and and most likely decide not to use that one
0: yeah and and those would be things that are, are in the marketplace as well
1: well yes correct these would be in the marketplace but they would not be omri listed um what type
0: of things would, would be would be on there? I mean, I know urea is one of the big ones that, that obviously they don't use. Um, mm-hmm. So, what type of um, things would be on the in on the prohibited list that would be well, in the general marketplace? See.
1: Well, you know, one one thing I can give as an example um, would be that there are certain products. In fact, I'm looking at some right now um, in the generic materials list depending on how they're used or manufactured, they can be allowed, they can prehi- be prohibited, or they can be allowed with restrictions. So, for example, I'm looking at microbial products. Non-synthetic microbial products are allowed. Um, they must be composed entirely of identified microorganisms, etc., etc., etc. We also have microbial products prohibited. These are synthetically uh, produced, and so these are Uh, prohibited when they're produced by genetic engineering. So that's what we're looking at there. There's also a category of microbial products allowed with restrictions. These are non-synthetics and it goes into very great detail about uh, what can be included in that product. So it, it's it's very complicated and it gets you know <laughs> above my level of scientific knowledge, uh, which is why we have such uh, intelligent, experienced reviewers doing this work for us. Um, but it, it's you know a lot of it boils down to whether it's synthetic or non synthetic. Yeah. Quite frankly, um, I- and the interesting thing is, you can't tell just by looking at a product. Or even knowing where it comes from, you have to really get dig down into the details of the ingredients and the ingredients and in the within the ingredients, the manufacturing process and so forth to determine whether it whether it's allowed.
0: Yeah. And, and and check check the list. But you know, we need to take our final commercial break here, but come back and listen to more about the Omri products after these
1: messages. This is Cheryl Linker, host of the Master Gardener Hour on America's Web Radio, Saturday morning at 11 o'clock. Join us as we keep things fun and interesting as we educate you in the world of master gardening. Quick
4: stakes. That's Q-U-I-K steaks are not just for surveyors. They are great for family and community gardens. Go online to www.quickstake.com or contact your local land surveying supply dealer and get you a box of quick quicksteaks. You'll love them every year when you plant your garden. Again, that's quick stakes. Q-U-I-K steaks, the truly preferred way to stake and identify what's in your garden now. Hello, I'm Ray Bowman, and I'm really looking forward to our new show, Food and Farm, brought to you every Friday at noon on America's Web Radio by feedstuffsfoodlank.com.
5: Did you miss a show that you really wanted to hear? All of our programs are available for download on americaswebradio.com and on iTunes. You can listen to your favorite programs on americaswebradio.com anytime you like.
2: Hi, I'm Paisley McDonald, and I'd like to invite you to listen to my show, At Home with Paisley, every week, Thursday at 3 p.m. Eastern, for practical advice and stylish living for your home and office.
5: You're listening to AmericasWebRadio.com, the pioneer and leader in chat radio. Thank you for listening.
0: I hope you're enjoying America's homegrown veggie show this morning. We have been talking about the Organic Materials Review Institute with CEO Peggy Myers. Um, And so let's start, Peggy, with the actual site. It's OMRI.org. Is that correct?
1: That is correct. OMRI.org
0: yeah which is a lot easier than try, trying to put in the organic materials review institute because most people would have <laughs> it right. they'd have a typo somewhere in there um, and so w- w- this is a site site that's um, useful for both the market gardeners the farmers and the consumer would that be right
1: yes I would say that it's useful to, to anyone who's interested in in the organic uh, marketplace
0: but it, but it's not split into areas for one versus the
1: other um no, yeah, I'd, I'd say that there are general areas that are that are of use and interest to all.
0: And uh, and so, so what sort of um, we mentioned a little about about the list. How, how do we get to the list from the site? Are they listed on on one side as a tab that you can go to the um, the the certified list of, of products?
1: Yes, absolutely. If you go to our our website. The OMRI list is the first item on the menu on the left side. So it's right at the top, uh, first thing that you see. It's really easy to get to, and that takes you not only to our Canada products list, but our U.S. products list and our generic materials list all on one page. And is, is there a, a, a newsletter or
0: anything that um, people can sign up for to get news of different things that are coming on the market?
1: Yes, um, we have our, our subscriptions. And so anyone could subscribe to OMRI, whether an individual or um, a business, or we've got some colleges and libraries that subscribe in order to receive our publications. And uh, you would receive our quarterly newsletter as well as our uh, OMRI products list and our generic materials lists, and also quarterly updates to our products list. So the subscriptions are good. The, the way I like to, to describe them is that if you want the information to come to you automatically, a subscription is good because we'll send you the information by mail and by email. Otherwise, you can always go to our website for free and look up the information um, that you'd like to find.
0: So, so it's a paid subscription if people choose to do that?
1: Yes, and for individuals, it's, it's pretty um, reasonable. It's $59 a year. I believe for businesses, it's $89 or $99 a year.
0: And so typically it would be people like maybe universities that, that would um, maybe do the paid subscription so they could get up-to-date um, information rather than the consumer?
1: It, probably, yeah. 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 And, um, and then our newsletter, uh, we do have our past newsletter on, available on our website so people can go and look at the uh, the last edition of it
0: okay um, and I know as well um, and there are other resources for market farmers as as well as large farmers and and uh, smaller growers
1: well one area that might be helpful it's it's not really populated yet but we do have um, a where to buy page uh, that we started recently because we are trying to allow um, Uh, Home gardeners and and market gardeners, a place where they can find OMRI-listed products uh, in home and garden stores and not have to buy, you know, 50-pound bags of things. Um, We don't have a lot of uh, retailers on there right now, but we're hoping to populate that with more. Um, So that might be a page that's useful um, uh, to your listeners as well.
0: And I know as well that you'll have a number of links on there, um, which are resource links. What type of things have you got yeah. on the, uh, the resource link?
1: Yes, we do have a lot a lot of links. <laughs> uh, we have links to the, uh, to the National Organic Program website where you can actually go and read the Organic standards. We've got uh, a link to the uh, National Organic Standards Board that advisory committee to the nop They do meet twice a year, so there's a lot of really good information there. We've got some links to the Canada Organic uh, Standards and Regulations as well. Uh, we've got links. Uh, you can find um, different organizations, nonprofit organizations that are active in the organic community. We've got some links to certifiers if you're interested in finding out more about organic certification. And we've got links to um, educational organizations we have links to uh, research organizations so lots of them I'm looking at it right now and I'd say we've got um, gosh it looks like maybe even a hundred links to different oh, organizations wow. so, so what, one,
0: one of the ones that I noticed was uh, the links I, I know there was one to the um, the naturally certified naturally grown that's slightly different to organic certified organic isn't it
1: yes and that's that's interesting uh, because it, that is a um, that's a private um, certification uh, that doesn't have the federal oversight like, like Organic does. So this doesn't necessarily have that third-party uh, review of it or of accreditation of it, for example.
0: So, but, and it's a considerably cheaper. and I, I got the feeling it was more approachable for a market farmer or market gardener going on a farm market than actually going the full way to certification.
1: Um, probably. I'm not really familiar with that myself. I think it's a fairly new certification program, um, so I'm not real familiar with it myself, but I would assume, since it doesn't have, uh, it's not an accredited program and it's not associated with any type of federal agency, that it, it probably has a, a lower fee.
0: And, uh, you know, as I say, I, th- I think the, um, the the site itself, um, you know, it's 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 uh, it's got lots of, got lots of links um what what about um help do you give um do you have a help area where people for instance if they um they they couldn't just that they're they're maybe trying to um find something out on on your your site and it's it's not there and they want to suggest maybe that you you introduce it would they go through a help uh, area to do that
1: well that's not really an area um Uh, covered by our our, our mission, necessarily, since we do deal with the the input uh, review, Um, and I know that there are a lot of good organizations that deal with that already, and so we don't really need to to duplicate that. For example, one of the links that we have uh, is to the Organic Center, which is a nonprofit organization that does a lot of of research work, and they do get into the um, environmental and health benefits of organic. So, um, rather than trying to address those issues ourselves, ourselves, we prefer to, to refer you to other organizations that are doing that good work.
0: And and I know on the um, the, the right hand, I think it's the right hand side, you get little tidbits um, about the organization themselves. Mm-hmm. What type? What type of? Are those kind of little blog post type type things that somebody puts bullets into, um, kind kind of to let people know what's happening on a day to day basis.
1: Yeah, it's um, you're talking about our, our our little news section on the right side. That's right. We don't really have we don't really have a blog yet, so it's not kept up to date, uh, you know, daily or, or weekly or any kind of regular basis. It's more of an as uh, as information and as news arises. By the time we issue a press release, we'll put it there, or if we have some sort of announcement, we'll put it there. So that is uh, probably some of our most current information um, there. And we do update it, like I said, as needed. It's usually updated probably every month or or, or two, or, or more frequently uh, if we have information to share.
0: Probably more more often in the the summer, in the growing season, than than maybe in yeah. the winter. Yeah, right.
1: Right. Yeah. yeah, we're we're busy going to conferences and trade shows during the winter. <laughs> and
0: so, so which trade, if if there's a, a maybe a, a local um, independent garden um, center listening to this, or somebody that likes their independent garden center, um, would they find you at things like the the IGC and and tr- big trade shows? Like, is it Manta that's on the east coast here?
1: Well, you know, we've uh, recently been getting into the um, consumer shows previously we were very fo- much focused on the trade and trying to reach certifiers and processors and farmers and that sort of thing so this year was the first year that we went to the uh, the igc show and we were very well received and so we haven't really reached out to a lot of big shows or a lot of, of consumer shows yet but that's something that we're definitely checking uh... checking into um, you will find us at the big um, shows where organic is represented um, and these would be more like food shows. Uh, the Natural Products Expo East and West would be good examples of, of shows that we would be at.
0: Oh, what, what what is the one on the East Coast? When is that going to be?
1: Natural Products Expo East happens in Baltimore, and it's usually in October. Ooh, that and sounds fun. That's, yeah, and that's um, where uh, a lot of the retailers and manufacturers of natural and organic pro- uh, products uh, exhibit. So things like not only organic foods, but uh, body care products and supplements and that sort of thing.
0: Oh, okay. Um, that that sounds, sounds kind of a, a fun show. And I, yeah. I know the, the IGC is going to be on the East Coast this this coming year. Um, but we've yes. got about a, a minute or so left, Peggy. Oh. Um, what would you, um, if people are try, trying to get maybe um, more products and things on the market, what, what would you uh, let let them know um, may, maybe um, to get more products on the market?
1: Yeah, yeah. Well, I think the thing um, to focus on is um, in terms of the organic community and, and their uh, re- reception to inputs, I think they are more receptive to um, non-synthetic inputs. Even though there are some synthetics allowed in organic production, I think people would prefer that that uh, non-synthetics be included so for anyone who might be thinking of bringing a product to market that would be my advice um and then always um consider of course the the health and the environmental impact of the product not only on how it's manufactured but how it's used and and then i think oh you know i I think a consultant is the best person to, to help someone who wants to bring a product to market for the organic community, uh, mainly because they've got so much experience and they've done this so often that it's that's easy for them when it might be very confusing and difficult for, for the actual manufacturer. So yeah. uh, and now we can, uh, again, encourage people to go to our website, omri.org, and look at the list, not only the generic materials list, but then the name brand products list as well.
0: Yeah, and, I, and I, I think so. Say um, think, things like farm far markets um, are, are generally small farmers that that are maybe naturally certified or, or tend to be on the, the lighter mm-hmm. side. Um, but I, I think it would be great great to actually get people to start using a lot more of these um, Omri products as we as we find them. Um, yeah. Because if the consumer is buying them, then the manufacturer is happier, and then um, your your company gets a little more noticed, right?
1: Yes, actually. And, and of course, the more interest that there is in it, the more availability you'll find across the country.
0: Yeah. Okay. Well, as I say, we're we're right at the end of the show here, Peggy. Um, But thank you so much for your time. I I really appreciate it. Um, And thank you, everyone, for listening to America's Homegrown Veggie Show this morning. Um, We will be back next week with another show talking all about growing veggies. Have a good gardening week, everyone, and join me back here next Saturday.